about time, it's about space, it's about saving the human race. It's about hate, it's about love, it's about everything above. It's about war, it's about peace, it's about changing history. It's about you, it's about me, it's about time. Good morning and welcome to the program called All In With The Lord. If you're someone that likes to figure out one more way to activate the Holy Spirit and the power within yourself because the Lord is with you, uh, and this is the program for you because we explore each week ways to get closer to the Lord, revelation knowledge from the Holy Spirit regarding how to maybe look at it a little differently than maybe you used to. Look at the Word. Because the Word is final authority. The Word takes care of everything. And as we grow closer to the Lord and closer to the end times which are upon us, we, a lot of us, want to know how to serve the Lord in a more meaningful fashion. And that means through being blessed by the blessings and not cursed by the curses. And, uh, you know, when Jesus died on the cross, he redeemed us from the curse of the law. And he paid the debt for our sin. I'm not sure that any of us fully grasp the payment that took place uh, for us in order for us to be now free from judgment of sin. Because in the universe of God, in the kingdom of God, he is all just, and there is justice. Justice rules, and the only way around justice is mercy. So God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, provided a vehicle for us through mercy and grace that allows us, when we come before the courts of heaven, to be forgiven and debt paid, debt paid. All are sinners. One of the biggest revelations to me, I think, is the fact that he died for us while we were yet sinners. That means we were on that list. There's a list of everyone who's ever been born since Adam. And that list is a list of people who were born into the human race, and they were born into sin because Adam committed high treason and sinned, about, sinned against God. So we all have sinned and fall short of being able to come before the courts of heaven in a just way and be forgiven. So God provided an instrument, a vehicle, for us, and his name is Jesus. So you have God the Father, God the Son, who was willing to go on our behalf so that we wouldn't have to taste the courts of heaven. We wouldn't have to taste the judgment of the universe. I know a lot of people, scientists today and others, are looking for aliens and UFOs. And I'm not saying that they don't exist, but I am saying that it all comes under the justice system of the universe, and that is ordained by God. 
There is only one way to make it through that justice system, and the way to make it through is through the mercy and grace of God. You know, as we explore today's program and we read uh, a couple scriptures, um, I want to just remind us that what this is all about is God wanting to make everything right regarding your life. He loves you. I think too often we think we're hiding from God because we have secret desires that may not agree with what we think His Word said. But let me remind you that God already knows everything about you. You're not hiding from Him. Um, Actually, He already has put in you all those desires. Some of them are good, some of them are bad, and some of them didn't come from Him because of the originator of sin. But in you, He wants to give you all the desires of your heart, but He wants to fix them first so that they're good desires and help you to understand how to how to operate in the kingdom of God. Now, if you've accepted Jesus as Lord, you took the first step towards renovating your, your home, your mind, and you took the first step of faith saying, I want to be like God. I want to be more like Him. And He made us in His image and likeness, which we will talk about later. So, when you think about who you are, where you're going, and what you're about to do in life, the key here is to be less dependent on ourselves and more trusting and dependent on God. He loves you more than you can even comprehend. He loves all of us more than we know. We think that we've gotten ourselves to a place in life that somehow we just got there. But He got us there. He got us through. And now He wants you to be blessed beyond your wildest dreams. So how does that happen? Well, first of all, let's talk about the power in the name of Jesus. There's quite a bit of power in it. A lot of people use Jesus' name and not in a good way. Um, They have mistreated uh, awkward moments, you know, and they put it down, so to speak, when they speak. And the Word of God tells us that when we lift Jesus up, He lifts us up. So to the degree that we reverence His name for what He did is the degree of power that's available in that name for you and I to use every day in life. Um, Whatever we ask in His name, He told us uh, that we can ask anything in His name. Most importantly, here in John 16, 23, in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. He will give you what you ask in my name. But the name of Jesus is powerful, and that's what sometimes we don't realize. Now, the word ask in the original Hebrew is another word for it is demand. Whatever you demand in my name. Now, you're not demanding God work for you. You're not demanding God do anything 
you are demanding that Satan lets go of what legally belongs to you because Jesus paid the price to get it all back. When he died on that cross, you were set free from the courts of heaven's justice system, but you also were put back in dominion on this earth and that all things on this earth legally through a joint being a joint heir with Jesus now belong to you and Satan doesn't want to release them. Lucifer doesn't want to release them. So it is a demand that he release what God already paid for. When you got born again by accepting Jesus, he had no choice but to relinquish the power over your soul and you no longer are, are, are headed for hell because of the justice system that God put in place through grace and mercy. But that doesn't mean that we don't, uh, that doesn't mean that we automatically get all the other perks here on earth. We have to know, first of all, that there are perks to accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that you are no longer under the curse. You are now under the blessings where Adam was before the fall. And God wants you to be blessed, but the way to be blessed is to know that he wants you blessed, number one, and then demand that Satan take his hands off you, your family, your blessings, and everything in your life, because it is the will of God. So we have to get these things in order, but the word demand is appropriate. Jesus said, in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you demand the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Whatever you ask the Father in my name. In Matthew 7, verse 7 and 8, it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks... Everyone who demands receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. How's that work? First of all, replacing ask with demand, we're demanding from Satan whatever it is we're praying for. Get your hands off my body. Get your hands off my finances. Get your hands off my family. I want them back, and you have no authority here. Seek revelation knowledge from the Lord on how to do this. And whoever seeks, finds. That means God, through the Holy Spirit, will open up revelation knowledge to you. And I don't know if you've ever had yourself say something like this, but say, you know, boy, I never thought of that before. Or that came to me in a different way. I never looked at that. I never saw that. That's revelation from the Holy Spirit. So knock um, seek and you will find, uh, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. What will be opened? Would you, have you ever prayed and it felt like the heavens just weren't hearing you? Nothing was happening. It just wasn't happening for you. And you think God's not listening. It says here, if we place a demand against Satan and if we seek revelation knowledge, and we keep knocking at the door saying, I need a breakthrough. I want a breakthrough. I'm getting a breakthrough. I praise God for the breakthrough. 
It says it will be opened. What will be opened? The door. The door that was slammed in your face that wasn't open before will now become open to you. There is a process. Step one. Step one. Ask or demand from, you know, that what will demand from, not from God, but from the earth, from Satan. Take your hands off. Place a demand. Seek the answers. Knock and it'll be open. Don't quit knocking. Too often, people even do the first part where they'll start demanding or praying right and getting words out that are positive about the outcome. And then they begin to seek the Lord on it, but they quit knocking at the door. It doesn't happen right away. And so what do they do is they say, well, guess that didn't work. And immediately, you changed from someone who placed a demand or asked the Lord for something to someone who's now telling God that didn't work. He didn't work. God always works. God's Word never, ever returns void. What doesn't work is when your heart is double-minded, where one minute you get all revved up, and maybe you went to a good church service. Maybe you went to a good... uh, rally where they were talking about the power of God and you got all revved up man and you started for a whole day demanding and praising God and then you began to seek the Lord for where is the answer to this and you got weary it says don't get weary in well-doing but you got tired maybe it didn't happen in 24 hours maybe it didn't happen in 48 hours maybe it didn't happen in a week and you get more wearied or less believing, less demanding. So we hear, we all know people that seem over demanding. They demand, demand, demand of us, but we're to demand of the Lord, demand of his kingdom, because God promised you that he set you free. You are joint heirs. And as a joint heir, you have a right to place a demand on that document that made you a joint heir with Jesus. And everything belongs to Jesus. He got it all back. He owns you. He got you back. Your body doesn't belong to you. It is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your identity belongs to you, but your body, this body, whatever you're in right now, you're hearing me, you're in an earth suit. And that earth suit was paid for by Jesus. He bought you back. First, God made Adam. Then he gave Adam, he gave Adam his freedom, freedom of choice to be whoever he was. And then he had to buy him back. Why did he have to buy him back? Because Satan stole him. Because he gave Adam free choice. Adam exercised his free choice in a way that caused him to be stolen from God. God had a plan. God bought us back. Now our bodies belong to God. One of the things that I've recently had a revelation of is that if my body belongs to God, I have a right to demand this body configures itself the way God originally intended it to be. Perfect health. Perfect health. From the top of our heads to the tip of our toes, pain-free, energetic, youthful, renewing, getting younger every day, being stronger every day. 
we have a right to place that demand. Not because of any program that we're on, because of the exercise program that we get from the Holy Spirit, you know, well, might have something to do with it, but it'll be because you want it to do it, not because you have to do it. So we have to reshape our thinking as the Lord opens the door. But we have a right to demand that this body that no longer belongs to you legally, because it was it's a part of the earth and the earth went over to Lucifer, but your soul and your spirit are renewed in Christ. So you are a joint heir to get back everything that was stolen. Your body was stolen. It was hijacked. Your body was hijacked. That's why you're, before you met Jesus, your whole life, you, you don't even know who you were. That other person, that old man, old woman, that old person is gone. You were hijacked. You were hijacked by Satan. And now you are renewed by choice you chose to be renewed by God's Word. That doesn't mean overnight, all of a sudden, you're all different. There is a process. There is a program. And we have to renew our minds with the Word of God. Every day, we have a choice to live out what it would be like to live in hell. That's right. You see it all around you. People going through stuff you don't want to go through. Maybe you're one of them, and you need to get out of it. You don't want to live eternally in hell. And if you're having experiences in your life that feel like hell, it's time to get out. Now, how do you get out? You place a demand on the fact that you want out. You seek the Lord on how to do that. And you knock at His door and you refuse to stop knocking. You just keep knocking. It will come to pass. Jesus made it very simple, but simple sometimes takes time to figure out. So all of us who want to get closer to the Lord need to do that. We need to knock, and it will be opened. Um, let's read this scripture here, Luke 18, verse 1. Jesus speaking still in parables, that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. That's the part where you say, ask, seek, knock. Ask, seek, knock. Okay? And that is exactly don't lose heart while you're knocking. If, you, if you're tired of knocking, renew your strength by going back to the place to demand again. And just keep seeking the Holy Spirit and keep knocking at the door. That's what he says. He who spoke a parable to them, the men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. <clears throat> you know, one of the things that we all go through in life is uh, trying to realize that who we were in the past isn't who we are today if we're in Christ. And uh, the Lord opens our minds to that as we grow in Him. Um, fear of the Lord, you hear that a lot. You know, you must have the fear of the Lord. Well, the fear of the Lord is knowing you are aware that God is always present. That That's what it should mean. Fear of the Lord is knowing that wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you are f not afraid of Him, but respectful of the fact that He's all ready there. He knows what you're doing, and you want to 
serve him in a better way. So fear of the Lord is respecting that he knows, and you are aware that he's always present. Um, you know, people around us that don't act the way you think they should act, they just don't know what you know yet. They're just not there yet. And there was a time when you weren't there. There was a time when you and I were just like them, talking ignorant, acting ignorant. And so, you know, the Lord, when he made Adam, and I'm going to look here in Genesis, uh, where he says in the beginning, he made Adam and he made us in his image and likeness. He made us in his image and likeness. Here, let me read it to you. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him male and female. So man is considered male and female. They're both the male and the female version of man. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, let's go back and read it again, because the first thing he did is to make man in our image. So, the image that you have of who you are was given to you or should have been given to you by God. He made you and I in his own image and likeness. Your self-image. If you have a self-image profile of yourself, who do you think you are? Satan's goal is to keep telling you who he wants you to think you are. Broke, busted, sick, disgusted, a sinner, unworthy, not able to please God. God doesn't love you. He's, his image that he tries to place in every one of us, and some people have had a tough life where the image was really messed with, your self-image. But God took a selfie of himself and made you. How about that? Because we're made in his image and in his likeness. You are made in the image and likeness. So before he told you to have dominion, he made sure that you knew who you were, that Adam knew who he was. And it wasn't until Adam sinned that he didn't know who he was. He, he lost his self-righteous feeling. The self He knew he did something apart from God. So God, Adam was totally dependent on God. I mean totally dependent on God. And that self-image that God put in Adam, which then got perverted through life to where we are in our self-image in growing up with parents that you may have had or may not have had. But it's the people around you affected who you think you are. And all that we're doing is coming back to who God says we are, not to who someone else, not to what someone else told you you are. Some people, you know, unfortunately are just told they're worth nothing. They're worthless and they're helpless and they're just not someone that uh, is worth keeping. 
And yet God has made you in his own image and likeness. And he wants to remind you that he made you just like him. He loves you. He loves himself through you. And he loves all of us because he made us. Then, after we put that self-image into us, then he said, now, you should really feel good about who you are because you are just like me. So, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the cattle, over the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So, God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him, male and female. God blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over everything. But as we know the story and how it goes, Adam blew it and lost his feeling of self-righteousness in God's presence and hid from God. So we're going to take a break, a commercial break, and come back and talk more about who you are, our self-image in God, in Christ, and how God wants it restored so he can have you take dominion over every area of your life. We'll be right back. It's about time, it's about space, it's about saving the human race. It's about hate, it's about love, it's about everything above. It's about war, it's about peace, it's about changing history. It's about you, it's about me, it's about time. Broadcasting live from historic West Norriton Township, this is AM 1180. AM 1180. WFYL. King of Prussia. Philadelphia. It's about time. It's about space. It's about saving the human race. It's about hate. It's about love. It's about everything above. It's about war. It's about peace. It's about changing history. It's about you. It's about me. It's about time. And we're back. We're talking about how God made us. And I believe a lot of people on this earth are either in the process of seeking who and who they are and how they're made, or they don't want to know. And the kingdom of God revolves around the fact that you have to know you are righteous in God's eyes in order for you to access it. So when Jesus died on the cross, not only did he make us heirs to everything he got back, but he redeemed us from the unrighteous act that Adam committed and all of the unrighteous filth of a self-image that says you're worthless. And all you have to do is put it on. It's like a garment. You're taking the mind of Christ. You're taking Jesus as your Lord and put on the fact that you God, God cannot be more pleased with you. He is totally pleased with you. You are righteous in his eyes. You are made right. You are in right standing because, not, of, not because of anything you've done, but because of what Jesus did, and you've accepted it as part of you. But here's what's left. After you actually accept what Jesus did for you, 
You have to start acting like you believe it. If you continue to act like someone who just believes you're the old sinner, you're going to keep being the old sinner. Just believe that you are made right, that in God's eyes, he sees no fault in you. So you go back to the Father every day, and you ask him for whatever you want. You ask, seek, and knock, knowing that he already sees you as worthy to do that. Now, you can debate that all day long. You can fight with yourself. Now, Satan will come right there. Lucifer will come right into your mind. And he will continue to build a case of how awful you really are. How incomplete. How many mistakes you made just, just yesterday. And you know what? Maybe you did. But guess what? It's all under the blood of Jesus. That's the grace and mercy of God. So immediately, when Satan tries to build the case that you're not righteous, you're unworthy, you aren't there yet, let me tell you something. You are there. You are right there because God made you there. You are the righteousness of Christ. He did it for you. He did what you can never do. He redeemed you from your own unrighteous self. But Art, I make these mistakes every day, or I fall into temptations, or I sin again. Yes, you're, you are. That's true. That's, that's part of life. But you have an advocate with the Father, and you are to turn and confess your sins and judge yourself, but don't count them. They're uncountable from the time. I'm sorry, guys. You can't have it both ways. You can't have a Redeemer who died for all sin and then tell the Redeemer there's conditions by which you'll receive that forgiveness. And the conditions are that I have to feel good on my own about it. See, God made you righteous. It has nothing to do with feeling good about yourself to yourself, faking yourself out. It has to do with accepting the grace and mercy from God forgiving you and having you judge yourself, but still remain in right standing with God. Never out of that right standing. One of the reasons people's prayers don't happen is they put themselves in that category of not being worthy to receive it by being unrighteous. They're, they're afraid of God, saw that they sinned. Yeah, he did. He also saw that you accepted the payment for it. And when you accept the payment for the sin, then what happens is it's no longer counted as sin. You are in right standing with God. loves you. He loves who you are, just the way you are right now. 
because you're trying to get closer to him. You're trying to learn. You're judging yourself, moving forward by faith through grace. You ask the Father, and he will give it to you. You demand Satan take his hands off of what you're asking for. You seek revelation knowledge on what to do next. And you knock and keep saying, I'm still here. I'm still here. I want to hear. I want to see. I want to know what's going on. I want to see how it works, Lord. So the Lord said, be fruitful and multiply. He didn't say, go go out. He says, be blessed, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Take dominion over everything. He didn't say, go out, be broke, busted, sick, disgusted, and feel like God's mad at you and coming back to get you. He did not say that. He did not say that. Anyone who's telling you God's going to get you is so out of touch with the word, they, they just need to go back to kindergarten. I don't care who they are. And there are people pounding their fists from the pulpit, just telling you how awful you are. That is not the message. That is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. He came to give you life and give to you more abundantly. He came to set you free from being captive to the kind of thinking that says you're unrighteous, unhealthy, and unwealthy. You can be righteous, healthy, and wealthy in the right standing with God. But your heart has to be with the Lord. So when you accept Jesus, you've, you've opened up that hardened heart, and it got soft enough to accept Him. Now we have to renew our minds with his way of thinking. His ways are not our ways, he said. And so we have to change our ways. Now that takes time. For some people, it takes a lifetime. But the Holy Spirit will guide you through every circumstance and situation that you come up against, as long as you keep asking, seeking, and knocking. That's it. And judging yourself when you see yourself do something wrong, which probably could be every day, could be every hour, could be every minute, just judge yourself and turn to the Father and thank Him for sending Jesus, who's your advocate, and you are free from the courts of heaven for what you just judged yourself on. <clears throat> That's how it works. There is no other mystery to this. That's how it works. Now, let me read to you here in Romans 6, 13 through 15. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Now, let's tear that one apart for a minute. It's Romans 6, 13 through 15. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. What's our members? It's our body. 
Now, obviously, on the sexual side, it's easy to see that. But there are other things people do here that present themselves as instruments. First of all, God's referring to us as an instrument. So let's talk about instruments. There are pianos. There are violins. There are guitars. There are all kinds of instruments. When they're placed in the hands of a master who knows how to play that instrument perfectly, that instrument sounds wonderful. When it's placed in the hands of someone who does not know how to play it, it sounds awful. Who is playing you? Who's playing you? Are you yielding to the Holy Spirit, your members, so that God can tune up this instrument? That's what it is. He wants to tune us up. Your body is an instrument that he created. And he wants to tune it up and allow the... We want to allow the master to play our instrument. Play me, you know? Then when God is playing us, we're depending on him to make us sound good, look good, be doing the things that he sent us to do. Because the master has sat down at the piano. When someone sits down at the piano who's never played before, wow, it can give you uh, a headache. It can give you, uh, uh, it's just frequency, music, out of tune, just all over the place. Same thing with a violin. Oh my gosh, hearing people practice the violin or any instrument can cause you to have a... uh, uh, an attitude of not wanting to be there. It could drive you away. But having the master sit down and play your instruments. Now let's read it again. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness. Do you feel unrighteous? Do you feel sinful? Then you are, you are going against this scripture. Don't present this instrument as something that's not worthy of God. But present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. Yeah, I was dead. I was a poorly tuned instrument. But I'm presenting myself alive through Christ. And my I'm in right standing with God. He loves me and I love him. I may not get it right every day. I may not get it right every hour. I may not get it right every minute. But I am in his image and likeness, and he sees me in right standing with him. He's playing my instrument. So I am yielding to the master and saying, play my instrument here. Play me for the world. Demonstrate through me the master's plan. And for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under law, but under grace. So how does sin have dominion over you? Is it when you sin 
Or is it after you sin and you can't think of anything else but the sin? Because then you're captive to the sin. So first there's whatever the world calls sin or whatever God calls sin. And then there's the thinking about the fact that you did the sin. And so therefore you're in right unrighteousness in your head. You're, you're placing yourself in a hiding from God in an unrighteous state, rather than realizing that you're not under that law anymore. Jesus paid the price for the law. You never would have kept the law. You couldn't keep one of them. No one. But Jesus kept them all. So by accepting what he kept, we are under grace, not under law. So we can indeed walk righteous every second, every minute, by remembering that Jesus did that for me. And that's the awareness that God is present. By being aware that God in us has done all for us and wants to tune up this instrument and make it look and sound perfect. Because he has perfect pitch. And he has a perfect plan. And all we have to do is yield to him. If you go out and drive a car and there's a yield sign, what does that mean? You are going 50 miles an hour, but you have a yield sign. That means if somebody's going 40 miles an hour on the other street, you're supposed to yield to that person, then go. So if you're doing something and the Holy Spirit comes along and tells you to do something else, yield. Learn to yield to the Lord. We don't always get it right. And when we think we have it right is usually when we have it wrong. So we want to be dependent on God. The Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Remember, God the Father created you. God the Son paid the price and bought you back. God And God the Holy Spirit is living in you, causing you to know what to do next when you choose to yield to the advice that he's giving you. So the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit can't live without any of them. But we are to want to live with them. And that's what this is all about. So we're not under law. You're not under law. I'm sorry. You can hold yourself in an unrighteous state before God. So, man, you have no idea how bad a person I am on, during the week. And then I go to church on Sunday and everybody thinks I'm a Christian. Well, if you've accepted Jesus, then the Holy Spirit is just knocking at your door saying, let me in. Okay, but during the week, you need to be aware that God, you didn't leave God at the church building. He's with you. Become more aware that he is with you, and you will choose. You'll, grace will make you want to sin less. When you realize that God's grace is not holding you unrighteous, it's not holding you accountable, it's not. I don't care. You want to hold each other accountable, and you want church to... People will tell you you're a sinner and no good, and all, then fine, you do that. But God's grace doesn't do that. God's grace has set you free. You are not under law. 
you are under grace. Take the grace and feel righteous, right standing with God. Feel Have a good self-image about who you are. God took a selfie, and you are a part of that selfie. God has all this in him. All of us were a part of him. He took a selfie, made each one of us, all over time, everyone that's ever been created or lived is all part of who God is. But now he has restored us in right standing with himself. He's not mad at you. I don't care what you did an hour ago. He's still not mad at you. He's just saying, come, come on, take another step. Forgive yourself. Judge yourself. Forgive yourself. Get under the blood. Accept what I did. Accept what Jesus did. The only unforgivable sin is to keep pushing away what Jesus did on the cross. And it's only unforgivable for you because you're the one not benefiting from the grace. Get under that grace. And you will work harder at not sinning. It's just a natural thing. You can't do it on your own. But the Holy Spirit will do it through you. When you judge yourself and just point out to yourself, that wasn't really something I should have did. And the Holy Spirit then will begin a plan to make you stronger the next time. Until finally, that won't ever even be appealing to you anymore. It'll just one day not be appealing. And you'll say, how did that happen? How did it happen? Because God loves you and you're under grace. And the Holy Spirit is leading you on a path of in righteousness, but to return to Jesus, to God in heaven. And that's where you want to go. You don't want to be stuck in hell. You don't want to live in hell temporarily on earth till you get to heaven. And you sure as heck don't want to go to hell. So you want, number one, accept Jesus. Get him in there. God loves you. And he loves you totally. And all you got to do is accept it. But Adam lost his self-image. When, when, when he, he had a great self-esteem, he knew who he was. And then all of a sudden, he felt naked and afraid. And he hid. So his self-image of who he was, was attacked. That's what happened. Lucifer attacked him by getting him to have his eyes opened, so to speak, to things he didn't need to see. God was protecting him, and he wants to protect you. You don't need to see everything. You don't need to know everything. Matter of fact, the less you know, I don't care what degree you have, but the less you know, the more you depend on God, the safer you are on this planet. God loves you. But Satan works constantly on your image, on your self-image. He wants to make you feel unworthy, unhappy, beat yourself up with all the things you know you do wrong in life. Do you think you're any different than anyone else? The only good news is that Jesus said, when you discover things you don't like about yourself, bring them boldly to the throne, admit them, and they're wiped out. You're back in right standing with me. Just come on now. Act like you're brand new again. But Art, doesn't that make it too easy to sin? 
let me tell you something. It's easy to sin and you're doing it. The only way out of it is what I'm talking about. To get under the blood of Jesus. Not condemning yourself. In Romans it says, there is, therefore, now, no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Why do you think that is? Oh, but they're the ones that are in Christ. If you've accepted him, you're in him. You're just on a journey. And your journey is progressing every day. Satan wants you to get off the path. And the only way off the path is to get he, him to get you to believe God's mad at you, you blew it, you didn't keep up the good job, and blah, 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 blah. And you rechange your self-image of who you are. You must realize that God sees you as one of his precious, precious, precious children. And all you have to do every time is return back and he'll kill the fatted calf and have a party for you. You want to party every minute because of all the sin you do? Then that's the way it works because he is excited when you judge yourself and return back unto right standing with him. When Adam fell, he no longer saw himself the way God saw him. You know, he hid from God. He just wasn't. He just didn't know what to do. And then he realized he was naked. Oh my gosh! I didn't realize that. Now I know I don't have. I'm naked. And how is God going to feel about that? What do you think? The Creator who made him didn't know what he looked like. But see, that is the the misconception or the lie that Lucifer puts in every one of our heads. And God loves you just the way you are. Oh, he does. I don't care what you weigh. I don't care what you say. He loves you. Now, you want to change what you weigh and change what you say. That's the job of the, of this, you know, ask, seek, knock. Okay. And the Holy Spirit will transform you. I agree. If you're overweight, we need to speak to this body. Remember, who owns the body? Who owns it? God paid for it. It belongs to God. So God, straighten this body out. You have my permission in my body to straighten it out 100%. I give you full authority over my body from the top of my head to the tip of my toes. Every artery, every organ, I speak to it. I place a demand that they are operating in the perfection to which God Almighty created them to function. My eyes get better every day. <clears throat> I can see clearer. My ears can hear more. My gums, my teeth, my mouth, my, my arteries, my hands, no pain. All is well. I speak and I place a demand on the temple and I release the Holy Spirit to make the changes. Show me how. Tell me what to do. Lead me. Guide me. Guard me. Depend on God. Depend on God. Don't depend on the world. Don't depend on yourself. I'm telling you, you can't depend on yourself because the next time you walk by that thing you said you wouldn't eat, you're going to eat it. So depend on the Holy Spirit and he'll take away the desire. It'll just happen. It will happen. But you've got to depend on him. There are things we do in life that we don't understand. 
but we were born into a contaminated life of sin and feeling very unrighteous, feeling not loved. And God said, I love you. I love you. I love you. Accept my love. Accept my grace. Accept my mercy. And just one thing at a time, turn yourself and praise praise my name for what I've done. Acknowledge that I'm here. Acknowledge that I'm with you. And we will turn this around. And we'll turn it around by getting to your heart with the Holy Spirit. And then the words that come out of your mouth will change. And the big ship that was heading in the wrong direction will turn and go in the right direction. It will just take a little time to turn that ship. The ship's big. You have your whole life to set it up going in a direction. And here comes the Word of God and that little rudder, which is your mouth, okay, is the, the, the mouth is, go, is the one that is going to change the direction of the ship. It's going to change the direction. So, but it's going to come out of your heart. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And that's what God is all about. Who do you think you are? Your self-image matters. Your self-esteem matters. Self-image. God made you. He loves you. He wants you to know he's in right standing with you. Or he, you're in right standing with him. All is well. And he wants you to just depend on him. Depend on him. Surrender to him. Yield to him. And God will play the instrument that he created, which is you. And your life will sound beautiful. It will change everything. You are a child of God. And he loves you so much that even while you were yet sinners, God sent his son to buy you back. And it was a price, a high price that he paid. Let's receive it and take it by faith. Have a great week. Talk to you next week. It's about time. It's about space. It's about saving the human race. It's about hate. It's about love. It's about everything above. It's about war. It's about peace. It's about changing history. It's about you. It's about me. It's about time.